So how many of you had a great Thanksgiving? Let's see a show of hands. How many of you ate too much food on Thanksgiving? Almost the same hands went up, didn't they? How many of you had to bite your tongue when conversations started to go to politics or maybe even sports? Yeah, you're probably not going to admit to that because the person next to you is probably the one that brought it up. But uh, how many of you had a turkey that looked like this? Gives new meaning to dark meat, doesn't it? But you could tell people it was a Cajun turkey this year if you wanted to. Well, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, but I hope it's more than just one day off of work. I hope that it turns into an attitude, into a lifestyle, that it becomes more about thanks living than just thanksgiving, that it changes who you are. Now, I know we've seen Christmas trees in the stores and the malls for a whole lot of weeks already, and yet that day after Thanksgiving, then that Christmas season just jumps into high gear, and, and we just start off looking for gifts and cards and, and a lot of internet shopping and all those things that happen because it's officially Christmas season right now. And we get to sing those familiar tunes that come out this time of the year. Yell out a few names of some songs you might have heard at the mall or at a department store yesterday or the day before. Just yell some names out. Jingle bells, very good. Let's sing it together, come on. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey, we like that hay part, don't we? Yeah. How about Rudolph, right? Let's sing that one. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. All right, that's enough of all of that, I think. But, but you know, they're great songs and there's nothing wrong with singing them. And they bring all kinds of images to mind, some childhood memories. We think about Santa and we think about reindeers and Christmas trees, and yet we know that it kind of misses the mark when we sing those songs as opposed to what Jesus came to do on Christmas. There's a cartoon family circus, and it was really a cute one. A little girl, maybe five or six years old, has her little brother, little infant, in her lap, and she's going to explain what Christmas is all about. And so she tells him, Jesus was born just in time for Christmas, up at the North Pole, surrounded by eight tiny reindeer and the Virgin Mary, and then Santa Claus came up with lots of toys and even something called swaddling clothes. And then three wise men in the elves started, they would sing some carols while the little drummer boy and Scrooge helped Joseph trim the tree. Wow, I don't know what song all that came out of, but the good news that I can report to you is the original Christmas carols move past those nostalgic and traditional kinds of words, and they always point us in the right direction. A carol is a song of praise and joy, and it always points us to the birth of our Savior, uh, the love of God revealed in and through the Lord. And so maybe we ought to sing one of those songs right now. So let's sing this first verse together. Roy's going to help us as we sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Let's sing this. Captivity 
that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you. Thank you. But that's more like it, right? That's what we would expect to hear as we gather here. Well, we're in week number one of a sermon series, and we're calling it the Carols of Christmas. And, and we're looking at the story behind them, and we're looking at the message that are found in those carols that we know and that we would sing here in the church celebrating the birth of Christ. And so each week we'll have a different song that we're going to look at. And the overarching theme or idea behind the ser sermon series is that by examining the birth of Jesus through the words of these beloved Christmas carols, it'll help us to reveal some important theological truths about who Jesus is and why he came. We do that with the hope that it changes us. It changes us in a way as we explore the story found in the carols that it will ignite our faith and, and build some appreciation for God, his love, and for sending his son into the world. And we sang the first verse of that first song that we're going to look at today. And this carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, will help all of us to understand why Jesus came and to help us understand what his coming means to us still today. And, and it's a beautiful song that we all know well, except the question is, what do you really know about it? Well, this particular carol was written over a thousand years ago, one of the oldest carols that we have today, originally sung in a monastery during Advent. Now, George started to talk about that, but you might say, so Advent, what does all that mean? Well, it's the first season in the church year, and it's that season that leads up to Christmas, and it includes these Sundays in December leading up to Christmas. And the word means the arrival of a notable person or a thing or an event. And, and Advent's this time of expectant waiting and preparation for two things. For the birth of Jesus that we celebrate that happened and for his second coming that we look forward to. And again, in Latin, that word actually means coming. And it's a beautiful carol, but what's so intriguing is it's one you can sing every single day of the year because the message tells us that God is with us, not just in Advent, but God is with us all the time. And a kind of interesting fact is the song was written about a time before Jesus was born when the Israelites were, were stressed out and troubled and just having a terrible time, and the song pointed to the hope of a Savior, the Messiah that would come someday. And it also uses the word Emmanuel. So why is that important? Well, let's read this verse together in Matthew. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. That's the important thing to learn in this song. And I'm going to read a little bit bigger section around that verse in the message translation because I think it does a great job of getting us in the right direction. God's angel spoke in a dream. Joseph, son of David, 
Don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit-conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth, and when she does, Joseph, you name him Jesus. God saves because he will save his people from their sins. This will bring the prophet's embryonic sermon to full term. Watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son, and they will name him Emmanuel. Hebrew 4, God is with us. God is with us in the form of Jesus and in the form of the Trinity being with us at all time. So that was like 2,000 years ago. So why is it still important to us? Well, I think it's important to us because Jesus came into the world on Christmas so that we can live each day absolutely positive knowing that God is, was, and always will be with us. Or let's make it personal, with you in particular. Now, I really hope you get all the gifts you have. I know you've all made lists for people. What should we buy for you? And yet every one of us already received the greatest gift of all time. A matter of fact, even the Grinch knew that there was something that was going to happen. And he said it came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages and boxes or bags. Maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas means a little bit more. Well, we know it certainly does, right? It means that Jesus came. He's the one-size-fits-all gift to us. Infinite value to come and live sinless life, to die on the cross, and to rise again for us. And the angel declares that when the angel says his purpose of coming is to save people from their sins. So let's see where we go with all of this. Well, first of all, I want us to focus in on the fact that God is always with you. I mean, that's the present tense reality of Emmanuel. Let, let's read this verse together from Luke 1, 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Emmanuel. Now, wouldn't you love to have been there that day? I mean, I can't even imagine what it would be like to just kind of sit there and watch this as, as Gabriel tells Mary, hey, the Lord is with you. Oh, and oh, by the way, we're going to have the Savior born through you. You're going to be the mother of the Savior. But I want you to know God will be with you throughout that process. That's important for us to know because God is with you as well when life seems tough or strange, or things don't go your way, or you're hurting, you're having a difficult time, uh, you're sick, you're lost, God is and always will be with you today and forever. In Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's important because he's unchanging, so we know that we can find confidence in knowing that his presence is unwavering, unchanging, unfailing. So God is with you right now. Well, we also know that God was always with us. This is the past tense version of Emmanuel. And sometimes I think it's easier for us to look back and see God in our life than it is sometimes to see him in the midst of what's going on. Now, I often like to think about the two Josephs in the Bible. One Joseph has his pregnant girlfriend say, hey, I'm pregnant, but 
I've been faithful to you. And then the second one, being sold into slavery by his brothers. So was God with them? Well, yeah, he was. Let's read this verse about Joseph who was sold into slavery. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. God was with him through that. And if we go forward in that story to chapter 50, Joseph said, don't be afraid. I'm in the place of God. See, this Joseph, not Mary's guy, but this Joseph could look back on his life and see that God positioned him not only to save himself, but to save the whole nation from the famine. So God was with Joseph. We know that God was with Paul. 1 Timothy 1.14, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. We see that God was with Peter when Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel to rescue me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. God was with both of them when they sat in a prison cell. God was with Noah. Imagine what the neighbors said about Noah. Here's this guy building this giant boat, gathering animals in the middle of a farm, by the way. And yet it says, Genesis 8.1, it tells us that God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. Then he sent the wind over the earth and the waters receded. He was with Noah. God was with David when he made a whole bunch of poor decisions. Let's read this one together from 2 Samuel. I have been with you wherever you have gone. I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth. Now I give you all of those to remind you that God's with you too and he has been with you too. And one of my homework assignments for you this week is to take a moment and try to think back. When was God there when you really, really needed him? Maybe you were trying to break a bad habit. Maybe you were surviving some medical condition or some pain or a loss in your life, some scary, stormy part of your life. And remember how God helped see you through those difficult times. Because God is with you. God was with you. And we know that God will always be with us. This is this future tense of this, of this word Emmanuel. There's a, a cute story. Max Licato talks about his neighbor. And his neighbor's outside trying to teach his little kid how to play basketball. Well, the neighbor takes the ball and in perfect form takes and makes three shots and says, see, it's easy, son. Just do it like that. Well, the son's down there, and you know, he can't even get the ball over his head, much less up to the hoop. And the dad keeps repeating, it's easy, son, just like this. And after about the 10th time, in frustration, the boy says to dad, it's easy for you up there. You don't know how hard it is for me down here. And when I heard that story, I couldn't help but think of Christmas. God didn't just sit there and tell us, do it this way. He came down here where we were. He walked where we were. He suffered where we were. He, he was tempted as we were because he is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I think of the people in the Bible, the one that may really needed to know and hear that God was with her is Mary. Now, I don't want you to fall asleep here, 
but I'm going to ask that you just sit back and close your eyes. I'm going to read this account to you and try to envision God coming in and working in and through and letting Mary know that he's behind all this as I read this story. So I'm not going to put any words up so you won't be distracted. Just sit and listen. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a time in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at the words. She wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He'll be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. can open your eyes now. Can you imagine if Mary could have grasped all of those words and looked into the future? To see that God would be with her every step of her life. She'd be able to say, God will be with me. When I tell Joseph that I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give birth to the Christ child in a stable. God will be with me when I watch my son's ministry and his miracles. God will be with me when I watch him be unfairly tried, beaten, and hanging on a cross. God will be with me on those nights when Jesus' death, and I wait, and I wonder God will be with me on the third day when that stone gets rolled away. He's raised to new life, overcoming the power of sin and death. See, God was with her, and he promises to be with you each and every day. There is nothing, I want you, if you hear nothing else today, there is absolutely nothing that will ever separate you from God's love. Nothing. Let's read this verse, one of my very favorite verses in the Bible, but let's read it together. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, Jesus didn't come to just be born and kind of walk around. He came to live a sinless life and to die for you, to earn forgiveness and eternal life for you simply through faith. And there's nothing you can do to dissuade him that he has come that all would be saved. Matthew 28 talks about this when it says, in teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this Advent season, this Christmas season, and every day of the year, find your peace and your joy 
and your strength on the good days and the not-so-good days, knowing that God is with you. Knowing that God promises to be with us in all times, in all places, and in all circumstances. And whenever you hear the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, be reminded of the fact that he's with you. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to you, children of God. Some action steps for you as you walk out of here. At the end of our messages, we always want to make sure we help you throughout every day to connect with God, to be able to follow wherever he's leading you, to be able to love someone, and to be able to restore broken relationships. So three action steps that will follow that. Number one, connect with God. How do you do that? Read his word. And an illustration would be read Luke chapter 1 and 2. Read that whole story of the Christmas and then follow whatever lead he's given you as you make your plans for Christmas. Include him in those plans for Christmas. And then love somebody so much that you'd invite them to come to church with you so they can hear about Emmanuel, God with us. And then remember that God is and will always be with each of you. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to gather in your name. Thank you for an opportunity to hear your word, your promise that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us. Some of us in here are facing tough times. Remind them you're with them. Some of us are celebrating a, a wonderful journey in our life. Make sure that they thank you for being with them. Help us to offer that great joy of Christmas to other folks so that they too would know you as their Emmanuel. Amen.